I was here a few weeks ago uh, and uh, didn't know if I'd be back for a while, but it looks like I may be back uh, off and on over the next several months. Just wanted to let you know that uh, I love this church. I love uh, the Savior and Lord of this church, uh, most of all, and uh, I know that uh, this uh, past several weeks has been difficult on everybody, and uh, and as a part of this family, I've told y'all y'all make me feel part of the family, um, I want to uh, commit to doing whatever is in my power to be an encouragement and, and help with uh, whatever needs to be helped with. I don't, I don't think I, I have uh, a lot to offer necessarily. It's not that I think I can come and fix anything at all, uh, but I want to come alongside and do my part in that. You know, I'm uh, pretty busy uh, with the, the job that God has given me, uh, working with our legislators around the state. And uh, this is the time I do a lot of travel. Um, I speak at different churches. They invite me to speak, and I speak at churches. I also attend churches with the legislators. If I'm in their area and it's over a weekend, many times they invite me to their services, and I've been to some very interesting services over the, over the years. Um, and preached at some very interesting churches over the years. Uh, so it takes me away, and this is the interim where I'm doing a lot of that. Uh, but I did give the elders some dates that I'm at currently available, and so uh, they uh, offered to allow me to do a little bit of speaking over the next, I don't know, five or six months. I gave them some dates. So I may be seeing more of you. That, that's what the whole thing is, to tell you that, that I'm, I'm looking for, <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. You always make me feel welcome. Thank you for that. And, and I look forward to, to being here any chance that I get uh, and walking this journey with you all um, and the elders. I'm very proud of the elders. I know they are imperfect men trying to do a perfect job. And uh, it, is, it is challenging. It is difficult to be in the position that they are. Continue to pray for uh, your elders, your leaders. Um, and it takes wisdom of Solomon to sort through stuff like this. So please continue to pray, pray for them. Uh, and pray for Mark and Kim, obviously. I got to spend a couple hours with Mark yesterday morning. We had breakfast together, and, and uh, it was a good, very good time uh, for me and, and him, I, hopefully, I think so, uh, to spend some time uh, talking through things and, and talking about the future and, and uh and my commitment to him, I love him and, and want uh, what's best for him, and, and I want to help in whatever. Again, my role is in that. I, I, I'm not thinking I got it all figured out and I can help him in, in uh, uh, every way, but uh, whatever my role is, I want to I wanna do that. And uh, he is my friend, and I love him. And uh, so just sharing that commitment to you as well. Hopefully that as to, together we can... Uh, kind of sort through what God has laid before each of us. And that's actually what I'd like to talk about uh, this morning. And I, I, this is my first time to address the church family since a lot of things have, have happened over the past several weeks. And I'm not sure we need to continue to dwell on this. We need to move forward, obviously. But I wanted to be able to share my heart since it's my first time to be able to share this with you. But I would like to share just something that's um, uh, been very impactful in my own life, my own ministry, and my own interaction with individuals. Um, through counseling, through friendship, through whatever relationship uh, God has given. This has been very, very important, impactful in my own life, and hopefully it can uh, make an impact in some way in your life as well. Let me make sure I'm doing this right. There we go. 
Uh, we're going to look at a couple of passages this morning, just a few verses in Galatians and a few verses in Ephesians. So if you have your, your Bibles or your, your tablets or phone or whatever, you can look at these couple of verses. I'll have them up here for you. Uh, we're going to look at a couple of things, but the thing that I want to look at is has to do with restoration. When you restore something, you take something that's been aged or beat up or have problems and you restore it to what it should be. And I believe the Bible talks about that there is a big restoration that God is doing with this creation that has gone its own way and has experienced and is experiencing and will continue to experience the effects, the consequences of sin. And he is in the process of that restoration through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we have this big restoration going on, and we have the example of that, but I believe that there is ongoing restoration that God has called us to do. There's one Greek word that I'm going to teach you. If you uh, some of you have gone to Magnolia Bible Church at different times, and you probably know this word, because as I mentioned, this has made a big impact in my life. And that is just one Greek word. We're not going to go into a lot of Greek, uh, but there's this Greek word, katartidzo, katartidzo. Katartidzo is a word that means, it's a word that's used when the disciples were by the Sea of Galilee and they were mending their nets. That's katartidzo. They were mending their nets. They were fixing their nets. It's the same word that's used if you're going to outfit a ship, get it ready, put all the stuff on it that needs to go so they can sail. It's the same word that's used if you like break a bone and a doctor sets your your bone and gets it mended and puts a cast on it so that it can get healthy. So it's the same word for a lot of different kinds of things like that. In the military, when you got a, uh, a troop of, or a group of people that are, that are going out on their mission, you get them ready, you cut our tizzo on them, you train them, get them ready, make sure they have everything they need for the mission that they're going out for. There is something that, um, I, this is a, a, just a very slight uh, nuance to this word that I thought about and learned about, and, and we're going to look at Scripture, and I'll, I hope you'll see this nuance in maybe a little bit different way, a little bit more important than just, just an interesting nuance. And that is this, because this is what affected my, my view in, in dealing with people. You mend a net so that you can use the net I know this, that seems to make sense, but I have a net here, just so you'll remember the sermon today. <laughs> but if I have a net, and this is probably something similar to the kind of net they used back then. They have different kinds of nets back then, not exactly nylon and you know, these kind of weights, but they would throw the net out, and it would be wide open, and then once it lands in, when they start to pull in, it kind of tightens up the, the weighted part and bring in the fish. But if you have a, a hole in your net, the fish will just swim out of there. You may catch a few, but it's not going to be a very effective net if you have a hole in your net. And so you need to mend that net. But here's the nuance. You don't just mend the net and then throw it in the closet and never use it. Why do you mend it? So that you can use it. You mend it so that it can be used for what it is meant for. You don't outfit a ship so it just sits in the harbor. 
You don't fix a, a bone in your, in your arm and then never use it again. You mend it so that it can be used. So you're repairing it and you're preparing it for something, for a service, for some kind of goal, for a, a, there's a meaning for why you're preparing this. Why this matters. Uh, when people used to come to me for counseling, especially marriage counseling. I've done a lot of marriage counseling over the years. Not that I have it all figured out, but I have a few things to share from Scripture. And my initial goal when I first started counseling was to fix whatever the problem is. So wife and husband, they come in, they say, this is what's going on, this is why it's happening. And I say, well, do X, Y, Z, and come back and see me in a week or whatever, and I give them some things to do, and they do those things, and then they say, way to go, thanks, pastor, things are good now, things are good. Well, that's good. That's a good thing. However, I feel like I was short-sighted to a point in that my goal was just to fix them, not think about what it is exactly that God has created them for and using them for, using this marriage for, them individually for, that could help them be used and not just repair, but prepare to continue to be used by God. And the reason why that matters, why it could possibly be something different, is sometimes God is using a certain situation, a certain circumstance, to prepare us for something else in the future. We just, our goal can't just be lack of pain, lack of conflict, that we just stop that. I think that's me. Um, the goal should be that God uses that for the purpose that he has given us, whatever that may be. That may be a particular kind of ministry in your life, which we all, if we were a follower of Jesus Christ, we have ministries that God has, has gifted us for, has called us to, that we need to be restored if there are certain things that are impacting us where we can't continue to do what God has called us to do. Is this making some sense? Hopefully it is, so that we don't just fix things just to be fixing them. That cannot be our goal. You know, there are times when we read through Scripture where somebody like the Apostle Paul, who was in uh, prison, and he writes a letter to a church at Philippi, and we call it Philippians, the book of Philippians. And if you were to take one word to describe that book, I believe you'd probably choose a word like joy or rejoice or something along those lines. Why? Because that's what he talks about all throughout that book. But when did he write it? He wrote it while he was in prison. He has been persecuted. He's been beaten up. He's been put into prison. And he says, joy, rejoice, joy, rejoice, over and over again. His goal was not necessarily just to get out. I'm sure he didn't like being in there. We don't like those circumstances. But he says, you know what? The fact that I'm here, the whole Praetorian Guard has got to hear the gospel there are people preaching the gospel now because of me being in chains that they may not have ever been doing before. The name of Christ is being proclaimed. So if this is where God wants me, my goal cannot be just to fix things. It is to be best repaired and prepared for whatever God wants. And maybe it's preparation for him to have a ministry in prison. Maybe it's preparation for him to go through some things to humble him, 
which he says God has done that to him already, given him some things that he didn't want to have. And whatever that is, it gave him humility so that he could continue to be better used by God. And so that takes a little bit more wisdom and insight and spiritual eyes to see what is God doing. It can't just be to fix people. That's good. But the church, I believe, is called to fix people so that they are prepared to do what God has called them to do. So this word, katartizo, has the idea of repair and prepare. Repair and prepare. It is whatever I'm trying to do, I'm trying to repair anything that needs to be repaired so that it's prepared to do what God wants it to do. I think there's some obvious parallels to some of the things that have happened in the past several weeks that God is, wants this church to be repaired but not just so everybody feels better, they're there, it's okay, it's all right, don't worry about it. It is, we want to repair so that God can continue to prepare and use this church for what he's called this church to do. And we do that with individuals too. We come alongside Mark, we come alongside Kim, we come alongside other people who are going through difficult times and saying, I want to help you be repaired so you can be prepared to be used by God however way he wants to use you. And we all need that. Every single one of us needs that. I've needed it over and over again in my life. I still need it. There can be big, significant times in our life, but there can be many small things in our life. And sometimes those many small things start to add up. We need to be looking for ways that we can come alongside and repair one another so that we have the mindset that how can I best prepare the people I come in contact with to be used the way God has called them to be used. So let me show you a couple of these passages. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 lists several of the spiritual gifts that God has given. He says he himself gave some to be apostles. He gave some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. These are some of the gifts that God has given and we could go, and I'm not going to go into a lot of the exegetical part of this part of the passage, but why does he do that? For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry and for edifying of the body of Christ. So he's given these gifts. The gifts are to equip the saints so that the saints can do ministry. And the ministry, I believe, that we understand that God has called us to do to the church is to bring people into a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ, and see them grow. And so all of us are called to that. You come to a church or you interact with people who have those particular gifts so they can equip you so that you can do the ministry. We don't just have hired guns that we pay for to do the ministry. That's not what it says. It says some have these gifts to help equip so we all can do the ministry, and that the whole body of Christ is built up. The word for equipping there is katartizo. There's katartizo. So we have these gifts that people have been given to repair and prepare the saints to do the work that God has called us to do and to build up, to edify the body of Christ. He goes on and says, this is the whole goal, till we come to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God. That's what we're trying to do, is that we're trying to get to that point, to a perfect man, to uh, measure the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
This is what the restoration process looks like. We're restoring to become more and more like Jesus Christ so we can continue to do the effective ministry that he has called us to do. Let's look at Galatians. Galatians chapter 6. First couple of verses in Galatians chapter 6, it says, Therefore, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, any kind of sin, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Brethren, brothers and sisters in the church, if somebody's overtaken in any kind of sin, that is going to negatively impact their ministry, right? I mean, we know that. And so we want to come alongside, and it says, oh, so your spiritual, restore such a one. So we're, we have sin in our life. Each of us has sin in our life that it negatively impacts our ministry. It could be the ministry to my family, to my wife, to my husband, to my children. It could be ministry in the office. Uh, it could be the ministry here in the church. It could be ministry in, uh, in the community. Whatever it is, it is negatively impacted because of sin in my life. And I need brothers and sisters who will come alongside and pray for me, encourage me, do it in a spirit of gentleness, and to help me become more and more restored to what God wants me to be so that my ministry can be effective. He says, therefore, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore. That word restore is katartidzo. It is repairing and preparing. It is repairing and preparing somebody who is in sin and we want to help restore. It's not just beat them up, kick them and say, man, you're bad. I'm glad I'm not as bad as you. The Pharisees do that. That's what Jesus he railed against them all the time because that was their perspective. Paul is saying here, this needs to be done with gentleness. We need to come alongside each other and help restore so that we can best be used by God for whatever ministry God has placed before us. And then he, verse 2, he says, part of this is bearing one another's burdens so that you can fulfill the law of Christ. I will give you a couple of observations of this particular passage and then some applications from this particular passage. I'm going to give you six observations and four applications. Six observations, four applications. So if you're taking notes, you can write them down. They're, not, they're easy to remember, but uh, if you're keeping, there's six observations, four applications. Uh, oh, before I do, let me, I forgot, I threw this verse in here. I was thinking about this just last night. I threw this in here because I think this is very, very important. He's, in 2 Timothy, he says, all scripture, everything, is inspired by God, is profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that, verse 17, the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The word equipped, again, that's same root of katartidzo. Scripture is where we go to find the answers of how to do this. It takes wisdom, as I said. We need to go to Scripture so that we have Scripture in our own life and we have Scripture when we're interacting with other people's lives. That that is what is going to guide us and use us for what God wants to restore in us so that he can continue to use us. Okay, so I, I took this picture uh, when I was in Cuba. I was uh, doing ministry in Cuba, and I got to thinking part of the reason I'm in Cuba is to help restore, help e repair and prepare some people uh, in, in Cuba. And then I walked along, and I saw a guy rest just restoring, katartidzoing a net. And so I took a picture of this guy katartidzoing a net. So let's go into 
uh, Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Just a couple of observations. First of all, he says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any sin, any trespass. The passage seems to be directed at me and you. At believers, both the restorers and the restorees, seems to be a church thing that he's talking about, at least in this particular context. That it is people within the church, we're supposed to be encouraging one another, helping one another, bearing one another's burdens. There's a lot of one another's. And part of that, I believe, is restoring one another, katartizoing one another, repairing and preparing one another. So the first observation is that's directed towards believers, both the restorer and the restoree. He says, brethren, if a man is caught in any trespass, you who are a spiritual restore such a one. The restoration process is a task for those who are spiritual, he says. What does that mean? You know, it's kind of wide open in a sense. Uh, I think we kind of know sort of what that means. When you go through Scripture, it does seem to be those who are walking in the light or walking in fellowship with God. Those who are being led by the Spirit, uh, controlled by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, those seems to be that's what he's talking about. We should not be thinking, whew, glad I don't have to be a part of that because I'm not spiritual. That should not be our response. Our response should be, I want to be a person who's walking in the Spirit, who is allowing the Spirit to guide me, control me, using me, so that if I come across situations where he wants me to be a part of the restoration, I'm prepared. I want to be doing that. Not look to thinking that's, oh, that's the elders or that's somebody else that's spiritual. I believe this should be what each of us should be thinking. I need to be a part of this restoration process if I'm called to in a particular thing. Now, here's, let me show you something with this net. I, I like the net idea. The reason I've chosen that is one that kind of fits with, uh, uh, you know, the, the disciples, that's what they are using their net. But also, well, they were catching fish, and Jesus says, I'm going to help you be fishers of men. And so it's a great visual of understanding that's what we're called, that's our mission. That's, we're supposed to be fishers of men and use the net. But if we have a broken net, then we're going to be less effective. And so we need to repair that net. Not everybody needs to have their hands right here preparing the net together. We'll just get in each other's way. So there's got to be some kind of wisdom and understanding that maybe I'm the person that provides the tools so that it can, be, it can happen. Maybe somebody else has expertise to be able to do that. Maybe somebody can train somebody else to do it so we do more. Whatever. We try to figure out what is my particular role in this situation. And that takes wisdom and, and prayer to make sure that I'm not stepping in and doing things I shouldn't be doing. As my, my job as a state minister at the Capitol, uh, I know you would understand this. There is a lot of sin going on. A lot. All the time. Everywhere. Everybody. Is it my job to go step into every single person's life and shake my finger at them and try to fix everything? There's no way I could do that. I think it's inappropriate for me to do that. I think it may even be ineffective for me to do that. So I need prayer and understanding of what is my part in this. I need to see this person God has given me a particular kind of relationship and rapport and trust with that I need to 
be available and willing to step into this role. These other people over here, somebody else may have a particular kind of relationship where they can do that too. So this is not a call just to go to anybody, anywhere, all the time and go start wagging our finger at them and say, I'm here to restore you. That is probably not going to be effective. We do need to be um, willing and available for God to use us whenever he wants to use us. What do I do with my thing? Here it is. Excuse me. Let me go on. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Katatizo, somebody with a spirit of gentleness. The process is gentleness. The word friend, if you look at the etymology of the word friend, it goes back to this word for gentleness in Scripture. It is somebody who is a friend. Somebody's a true friend, will tell you the truth when you need to hear the truth, will demonstrate love and respect for you, that will come alongside and, and be in your corner in the sense that I want what's best for you. It's not your adversary. It's not somebody who's going to wish ill upon you. It's not somebody who's dismissed you. It is somebody who comes alongside you, puts their arm around you and says, I love you and I want what's best for you. Now, sometimes what's best is not what the person thinks is what's best. Those of you who've had children understand this concept very well. You have children, and you, because of your maturity and your understanding and your experience, you know this is not good for this child, even though they think it's best for them. If I were going to make my daughter happy, I would give her ice cream all the time, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. But I know that's not what's best for her. So I'm not just trying to make her happy and do what she thinks. I want to make her happy, of course. I love her. She's my daughter. But that the fact that I want her wholeness and holiness is much greater than for her happiness. And that's what we need to understand when we're loving on people. We need to sometimes say the tough things, do the tough things, risk at times, but we need to make sure that we're doing it in a spirit of gentleness. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted." This little line here, uh, people have differing ideas of exactly what this is referring to. I'm not going to get into those this morning just for time's sake. Uh, but I think in general we get the idea that if you are going to be part of the restoration process, uh, be careful. Be careful. The restoration process requires wisdom and humility it's going to be dangerous to the, to restore, the restorer as you're trying to help the restoree. It could be that maybe that person's sin is something that you easily fall into and you shouldn't be hanging out with that person in that particular case. Or maybe it's something that impacts you by uh, dredging up some past things in your life that cause you to head down a path of sin. It could be maybe you get spiritual attacked yourself. This is a spiritual issue, obviously. This is, I believe, this is a spiritual attack upon the Woodlands Bible Church because Woodlands Bible Church is doing what God wants Woodlands Bible Church to do. And so Satan's going, I'm going to figure a way to cause some problems here. I'm going to try to get my foot in there and try to tear down rather than restore. I don't want him to win. I want the Church of Christ here at Woodlands Bible Church to win as far as the restoration process and move forward we got to be careful. we got to use wisdom and humility as we go through that. So, he says, consider yourself, lest you also be tempted. 
And then he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It's the verse right after this. It seems like it's, it's connected. If you are willing to step into somebody's life because you love God and you love them, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you a lot of emotional capital, spiritual capital, maybe financial capital, maybe even physical capital. The restoration process will require sacrifice on the store's part. you got to go in eyes open, knowing I'm stepping into something that I know is going to be difficult, but I'm willing to do it because God has called me to do it. I love him first of all, and I want what is best, and I'm willing to step into this role. I'm willing to step in and pray for, encourage, help, come alongside, knowing that maybe somebody will you know, say something bad about me. Maybe uh, rumors will start flying about me. Maybe it'll be somebody attacking me and getting angry at me. Maybe, maybe the person will get angry at me. There's a lot of different things that could happen. It's a whole lot easier and safer to not do what God has called us to do in this particular case. It's not best for us, not better for us, not good for us to not do what God wants to do. But for us, it can be safer rather than stepping out and recognizing the cost that it could take. He says, and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ seems to be where Christ came and he said, I, I didn't come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. He came and he lived, he died, he rose again. And that act itself is what gives the basis for restoration of, of us and all creation. He says what we're supposed to do to fulfill the law is to love God and love others. He said, if you want, you want to fulfill all the law, this is what you do. The restoration fulfills the law of Christ to love God and others as ourselves. So that's what the restoration process, I believe, is about. All right, I'm willing to do this because I love God and I love others. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. It's going to be challenging. It could be dangerous. It could cost me things. There's a lot of different things of why I wouldn't want to do this. But it is demonstrating my love for God and my love for others. And that's what you and I are called to do. I'm not saying that's easy and we got it all figured out. And, and it's easy to kind of say in theory but it's challenging. And that's going to lead me to a couple of application points here. The first part is, it does not give us a license to meddle in the lives of others. He does not say, okay, find some people and go get in their face and tell them they're sinful. Find some people and tell others how sinful they are. It's, the goal is not to just address the sin for addressing the sin's sake. It is to restore, to repair. That takes wisdom on how to do this. It is not giving us license to meddle in the lives of others, to go find out a bunch of information that we can, to share that information with other people. That's, that's not going to help the process. There's no specific process even that's given here. Number two, there's no specific process given by which to restore brother or sister. I say that, and there's this idea, there's this principle, there's this guiding idea that we're supposed to do, but every person, every situation is different. Everybody's response is different. So there can't be step one, you do this, step two, you do this, step three, you do this, step four, you do this, and now you're done with the process. It can't. Paul can't give that to us because everybody is different. 
So we need to step back and pray for wisdom and insight. What is God, that God wants me to do in this particular situation, at this particular time, with this particular person? And be very careful about that. And do what he has called me to do in that particular case. I've been doing that. I'm candid with you. and praying about my role at, my, at uh, this church, at the Woodlands Bible Church. I, I don't think that I need to step in and fix everything and do everything for everybody. I don't think I can do that. I don't think that that would be healthy. I don't think that's healthy for me or healthy for the church. But I do think God has given me a, a, um, a responsibility because of my relationship with Mark. I've known Mark for many years. I respect him highly, still do. I think he's a wonderful man. He's a wonderful teacher. I love him as a friend. And I want to do what I'm called to do because of that relationship. But there's a limited relationship there. I'm not his son. I'm not his wife. I'm not his best friend. I'm not his boss. I'm not his employee. There's a lot of things I'm not. not, But I do have a particular relationship with him that I want to continue to do if that's what God wants. And whatever here God wants me to do with this church, I want to be available. But I'm not, I don't have any, hopefully, any delusions of thinking that I can fix and help anything. I just want to be available however God wants to use me. So it takes wisdom and prayer for any given situation because there's not just a step-by-step, how should we do this? And that's why I say pray for the elders. <laughs> they're, they're, they're navigating through this too. There's not the step-by-step. There's principles in Scripture that they're reading and praying over and discussing and trying to make those decisions based upon that. That's what we would want from them, knowing that they're flying through this and trying to make the decisions the best that they can. Number three, wisdom, gentleness, and humility mean any actions or non-actions should be considered by what will most likely bring catartism. That's a little bit long, a little wordy here. But what I mean by this is this. When I am thinking about what will best bring about catartizo for a particular person, I try to, as much as I can, put myself, first of all, in their position, knowing that they're different from me, different personality, different experiences, et cetera. But it gives me a starting point. How would I want somebody to come alongside me? Would I want them to come and start pointing fingers and tell me how bad I am? Probably not. I'd probably say, just get out of my face. I don't want to hear you. I don't want to talk to you. If somebody comes to me and says, man, I love you, respect you, and I want what's best for you, and I'm willing to come alongside. I've, I've gone through junk in my own life, too, and this is what God's done in my life, and if I can help you with that, that's what I want to do. Then I'm like, okay, I'm listening. I'm listening. What do you got for me? I'm a little more open. I do know that there are other principles throughout Scripture. We talk about restoration, especially if somebody is going through things in their life that are contrary to what God wants in their life, their sin in life, whatever there is. Uh, in Matthew chapter 18, you probably know this chapter. That's the one that says if somebody sins against you, you go to the, you know, if they don't uh, respond, then you bring another witness, and then you go to the elders and all that kind of stuff. That's a broad uh, description of that process. But one of the things about that process, I believe, again, there's principles, and it seems to be one of the principles is the fewest people that need to know need to know. It is not something to broadcast and tell everybody unless it needs to be broadcast and told to everybody. And not everything needs to be broadcast. If my goal is restoration, what is the information, what do I need to know in this? I don't need to know everything. 
You don't need to know anything for there to be restoration. What do I need to know? What do you need to know? And what is appropriate for me to share with somebody else? They don't need to know. I don't need to be telling them. I don't know you talking about it. Uh, I have a, a, a close friend of mine that uh, started heading down a, a bad path in his life. And his wife was struggling with this, obviously, bad, bad path that he was going down. And as I talked to her, I said, well, I would not start spreading it to everybody right now. Let's, let's tr you know, try to address him. Let's talk to him. Let's try to work through this and pray. And, and, uh, and I think she forgot to hear the word not, and she told everybody. And that gentleman, my good friend, is still going through a very difficult time, I believe, because now he feels like everybody knows, everybody thinks I'm a bad person, and I just don't want to have anything to do with anybody. And so he's put up this huge wall. And it's making the restoration process that much more difficult. It has been extremely difficult. It, is, it breaks my heart. It is one of the hardest things for me personally because he's a good friend of mine. But because of spreading information to more people that I think need to know, and I understand her heart. She was, I mean, somebody's hurt, they're in pain, they need to share it, and they get off their chest. I understand that. It needs to, we need to find the appropriate people, the appropriate venue, the appropriate way to do that. But sometimes when you're hurt and you're in pain, you don't care. You're just trying to relieve the pain. You start telling. I, I'm, not, I'm not just uh, beating up on her because I understand why she, she did what she did. But it's made the process that much more difficult. We need to be careful about how we do this and try to figure out what is the most likely way that Katar Tzidzo will happen in this particular person, this particular situation, and use wisdom and gentleness and humility as we go through this. Number four. Maybe. Although this is written to and for believers, this idea, I do believe, as I mentioned at the front end, this is a broad concept for everybody. Because every single person on the face of the earth is broken. There's sin. And Jesus is in the job of restoration. And so we need to be thinking in a, a church perspective what we need to do so we could be effective and be used by God. But we also need to recognize this is the same way I need to approach every single person I come in contact with, believers and non-believers, but especially as we talk to somebody who's a non-believer, how best can I come alongside this person to lead them to this, uh, this restoration process? The restoration process begins with Jesus Christ. Every single person is broken because of sin. Every one of us, you, me, everybody, has broken because of sin. The only way to restore us to God, the relationship that is broken because of sin. The Bible says that we are all separated from God spiritually. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And the way the Bible describes death is that it's separation. I mean, we use that too. If I die physically, my immaterial part is separated from my material part. I am, I'm dead physically. I don't cease to exist. The body's still there and the immaterial's still there. They don't cease to exist. But that's separation. There's physical death. And, and the Bible says that that is because of sin as well that's in the world. But he says more importantly, there's spiritual death. There's spiritual separation. God is perfect and holy. I'm not. I'm separated from him. And I will be that way for all eternity. Unless there's a restoration that's gone on. And the Bible says the only way that there's restoration 
is through somebody taking my sacrifice, my place as a sacrifice for me. And that's what Jesus did. He took my death upon himself upon the cross. My separation was put upon him. The Bible says the only way that that can be applied to my life is me just telling God and receiving that gift. The Bible calls it a gift. The Bible says it's a gift. I don't pay for it. There's no way I can pay for this. But I can receive a gift like I would receive any other gift. The Bible says if you receive what Christ did on the cross for you, you can have for your forgiveness of sins, you can be restored, you can have eternal life with, with God. You can spend eternity with him. That's what the gospel message is, is restoration. And it's open to every single one of us. I would like to close with giving anyone the opportunity, whether online or if you're here and you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ in that way, you can do that right now. I'd like to ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. We, that's not something that's special that we do it that way. It's just it's as, uh, out of reverence we bow our heads. And closing our eyes just makes this more... Uh, personal and intimate between you and God. If you have done what I'm about to say, then spend the time just thanking God for the opportunity that he has given us to be restored. But if you've never put your trust in Jesus, you can say a prayer, something like this. It doesn't have to be these words. It's not some kind of magic incantation or anything. But if your heart is that you know that you have sinned and you're separated from God, and that you need to be restored and you want to put your trust in Jesus as the only way to be restored you can say something like this dear God I know that I'm sinful I know that I deserve to be separated from you that's confession that's just acknowledge he knows it but this is you acknowledging you're saying the same thing that God is saying that it's sin that separates you from him just in your own words express that to him Then you can say, I want to receive what Christ did on the cross for me. That he died, he was buried, he rose again for me. To take my sin upon himself that I might be restored. Say that in your own words, however you want. Acknowledge that and receive that. The Bible says, as Mary received him, to them he gave the right or the power to become a child of God. What that means is you can call him father, your spiritual father, because you've been restored into his family. So you can say, Father, thank you for restoring my life. Thank you for giving me eternal life and forgiveness of sins. Just thank him for that. Then say, make my life what you want it to be. Restore it for not just to be repaired, but prepared to be used by you, God. Just acknowledge that to him if that's your heart. If you pray a prayer, something like that, please come talk to me or one of the elders. Tell somebody this journey is not easy. There's a lot of challenges along the way. We follow God, and we need to have one, one another come alongside us. Help us when we need it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your act of restoration in my life and your ongoing restoration through people in my life. God, I ask for restoration for each individual here that 
that needs it, that is going through challenging times. And I ask for restoration for this church as we move forward. Um, I thank you for the opportunities that you give us to go through the challenging times. I don't like the challenging times, but I thank you for the opportunities that I know you'll use for your glory and to mature us and to restore us. We lay our lives before you and ask that you continue to do that. Your son, in Jesus' name I pray.